Hello and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 26th letter, unselfishness. Unselfish. This letter is all about the difference between unselfishness and charity. And Screwtape is writing to Wormwood saying that now is the time to sow these seeds of unselfishness during this couple's courtship. So this is Wormwood's patient and his lady friend. They're in a period of courtship, planning to get married. And now is a great time to plant these seeds of unselfishness that can cause marital discord later in life. This is a fascinating letter. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This gave me an even greater appreciation for not only C.S. Lewis's psychological insight, but his relationship insight. This is very much an insight into just human relationships and, yeah, how we interact with one another, can fail to interact with one another, all under the guise that we're actually getting along. And, yeah, he he brings it out in a lot of great insights and all with some humor, too, of some ridiculous situations. Well, the first paragraph opens up again with Screwtape wanting to take advantage of this time of courtship. He calls it a time of enchantment. Enchantment, right? We could call this the period of being in love, uh, the romantic time, the honeymoon period. And why is courtship such a good time for sowing seeds of marital discord for the future? Well, because they're in a time of enchantment with one another in these early days of natural attraction, they're putting their best foot forward in order to try and hide any weakness. Um, If you've ever been in love, you know this. You don't want the other person to see anything bad about you. And you're so moved by them. You want to impress them. You want to show them your, your best side. And so you're very willing to be generous and go the extra mile to show your best side. And this, of course, is dangerous, right? Because after the honeymoon phase ends and the real relationship begins, each will start expecting the other to maintain that same sense of unselfishness and generosity and that willingness to go the extra mile, which neither of them will actually be able to do. Screwtape talks about this ambiguity in the word love. Did you catch that in this paragraph? The word love is ambiguous. We know this, right? In all the ways that we use the word love, to love a a nice warm fire, to love our cat, to love our dog, to love our brother, to love our friend, to love our cereal, to love our sports teams, to love our spouse, to love God. And all of a sudden it's like, I hope there's a difference between my love for God and my love for my cat. Hopefully, right? (laughs) Just like different degrees. So the one word love that we have in the English language is very ambiguous. And this can be useful for the demons that we might talk about being in love whenever what we're actually describing is more romantic love or lust. Paragraph two, we get the difference between unselfishness and charity. Did you catch the difference? Right? Charity seeks to surrender the benefits or the good things so that others may be happy. Unselfishness, on the other hand, foregoes the benefits so that he may be unselfish. Did you notice 
that the emphasis on charity is on the other person. I want the other word, other person to be blessed or to benefit. But unselfishness, the attention is on the self. How much I'm being selfless, how just what I'm doing. And notice, here's here's the paradox. The one who is selfless could actually be being selfish. Oh, there's the paradox and there's the trap. Screwtape then notices a difference between unselfishness in men and in women. I don't know if you caught the difference and whether or not you agree with it. Feel free to to disagree. C.S. Lewis is uh, not perfect or without flaws. But here's here was his observations, right? He's speaking in general here, not in every single circumstance. He says that men and the way that they manifest unselfishness is that they um, do not want to give trouble for others. So hence a man would not want to impose himself or to be a nuisance. He wants to respect other people's rights. I wouldn't want to do that for you whenever this is your this is your lane, this is your territory. Women, on the other hand, as opposed to not wanting to give trouble for others, women try to be uns- unselfish by taking trouble for others. Hence, a woman, woman would be very quick to be busy doing work for other people so that they don't have to. Do you agree with that? Do you, is, that a, is that a fair generalization? It doesn't seem too far off as I've come to observe maybe general practices or habits or way that, ways that men and women interact. Here's kind of the takeaway, though, given these differences in the sexes and how they are unselfish. Notice that both a man and a woman can both be being selfless, but it can be misinterpreted as actually being selfish by the other sex, right? Like a woman looking at a man who doesn't want to impose, doesn't want to be a nuisance, doesn't want to get in another person's lane. And so they're just sitting over there. You're not doing anything. Whenever the woman is wanting to take the burden off of others. And so she's busy going around doing all these things into the man who's trying to be respectful and cognizant of, of other people thinks, why is this woman going around and stealing the show, doing everything? Uh, it, does she think it's all about her? And so notice both could be trying to be selfless, but are interpreted as being selfish. I've noticed I'm saying selfless and selfish a lot. If I mix mix those up, I apologize. So here's the, um, again, here's the trap. Here are these nuances that Screwtape wants to take advantage of with this couple. In paragraph three, he says that there is a high degree in the appearance between one who is selfless and one who is charitable. So charity is obviously... A virtue. It's the, it's the highest form of love that is a self-giving love for the good of the other. But on just the external appearance, there's a high degree of similarity. The one who is charitable, giving themselves for the good of the other, and one who is selfless, on the outside, it, they both look to be doing the same act. So this can be dangerous, right? 
And I guess as we've already said, it can be deceiving because in the erotic enchantment or this honeymoon phase, there's a ready willingness to perform these selfless actions. Here's this quote in this third paragraph that I thought was very important. Quote, you must make them establish as a law for their, for their whole married life that degree of mutual self-sacrifice, which is at present sprouting naturally out of the enchantment, but which, when the enchantment dies away, they will not have the charity enough to enable them to perform. So what, is, what does that mean? What does it look like? Establishing a law for the whole married life. It might be spoken. It's probably unspoken, right? It's just this understanding that, oh, this degree of mutual enrichment understanding all by a very generous selflessness works really well. So we need to always do this. We need to always operate in this way of just thinking about the other person, just serving the other person. And so there can be this establishment of this law on their relationship. This is what we need to have always so that we can always be happy and we can always uh, love and respect one another. But this is very deceiving because it's all under the influence of enchantment, this romantic love. And so once those feelings, that enchantment dies away, all of a sudden the lack of charity will actually be unmasked. So what was just selfless imposed or I guess um, impelled by romantic feelings and desires to impress the other is really masking a lack of charity and in charity that doesn't mean that they want ill for the other person but charity is a real virtue as I said that means it's a habit that means it's a muscle charity do we talk about this at all Right, the charity is a real muscle that needs to be worked and grown and strengthened. Think about just any muscle that if you don't use it, if you've never been told how to how to do a sprint, and then all of a sudden you try and just run out on the street and run as fast as you can, you're probably going to run f- and fall flat on your face because you've never actually used this muscle before. What is that? It's like right, you need to learn how to do it. But love is like that too. And our world just gets this really wrong whenever we throw one another in these relationships and just expect love to be there and even to confuse real love for just the romantic, erotic, enchantment feelings. And yeah, here's where the the invitation to virtue needs to be proposed in the fullness to learn how to really love the other person by real acts of sacrifice sacrifice that can be uh over the length of a period of a relationship where even in the the struggle it can be that purification that can allow the the real virtue to grow and be strengthened in paragraph four we have this delicious description of the generous conflict illusion game um, this was an incredible paragraph that I think was probably one of the most enjoyable of the whole book. I would invite you to read it on your own. I'll just summarize it as succinctly as I can. This generous conflict illusion game is this. Each party seeks to be unselfish 
and do what the other person wants to do. No, no, no. What do you want to do? No, no, no. What do you want to do? No, tell, just tell me what you want to do. Like, no, no, no. I want right. So you see this game going back and forth, right? But if both people refuse to express what they actually want to do, then they both give in to doing something that neither actually wanted to do at all. All the while feeling really self-righteous in their selflessness. <laughs> do you see how like, who oh, that is just so conniving and evil and just twisted. Um, so that's this crazy, crazy. Have you ever been there before? Uh, wanting to do something nice for the other person and they, under the guise of selflessness, no, 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 I just want to do something nice for you. And meanwhile, you both just become more and more miserable and irritated and a- aggravated would you just tell me what you want to do? Where do you want to go to dinner? Where uh, where do you want to go for our weekend getaway? And what seems to be really selfless is actually completely lacking in charity and perhaps is much more selfish in terms of allowing one to be vulnerable and seen and to offer a, I'd like to go to this restaurant or I'd like to do this this weekend. The fifth paragraph has this fascinating line where screw tape says a little real selfishness on your patient's part is often of less value in the long run for securing his soul than the first beginnings of that elaborate and self-conscious unselfishness which may one day blossom into the sort of thing i have described end quote Okay, this is upside down world, right? So let me tease that out. So Screwtape is saying a little real emphasis on real selfishness on your patient's part is often of less value. He's saying less value um, in the upside down world. (laughs) So to put it right side up, he's saying for our perspective, from God's perspective, it would actually be better for us to be a little bit selfish in a real way of saying, here's where I want to go to dinner, or here's what I want to do in a way that's actually, yeah, you know what, this is what I want to do for me, because I really enjoy this movie, or I like this food, or this would be really enjoyable to me. So that little bit of real selfishness is actually of of better value in the long run, right, for falling into a real relationship and encountering real love than this other elaborate self-denial selfless game that falls into the both parties being miserable and that's an interesting thing to and it's a i guess an interesting way to look at it that by being quote-unquote selfish the individual is able to be real and honest and present and the converse is in a sense to be fake and not present in all in the relationship i don't want to take a risk i don't want to be vulnerable because If I tell you what relationship I want to go to, you're just going to say, no, you're going to laugh at it. You're going to say it's dumb. And so I don't even want to get, I don't want to get hurt kind of a thing. And meanwhile, there's just a fakeness. There's a lack of engagement in any real relationship. So we can see how this is uh, diving us right into the heart of relationships and how we need to, to grow, how we need to actually show up and be vulnerable and allow ourselves to be seen. And oh, Screwtape does not want the couple to notice that love is not enough. And by love, right, it's an ambiguous term. Love that he's talking about here is the 
romantic love. Don't let them notice that romantic love is not enough. That charity, in Greek the agape love, is needed and not yet achieved. And that no external law can supply its place. What does this mean? I think a lot of couples, right, and we're just tempted in a world that's so that so overemphasizes the emotional side of love, sees that romantic love is the most important thing. We just need to rem- remember how we felt, remember, yeah, the the experience that we once had, so that we can never forget the love that we've always had for one another. And there's such an emphasis on the feeling, the feeling, the feeling, that really goes to mask or cover up or distort a growth in actual charity that's needed and not yet achieved by by any external law. So it's not just an external law that's needed. We need to always deny ourselves. We need to always think about the other person. We can never do anything that we want to do. We need to always serve the other person and be generous to the fullest extent. So it's not about an external law. This is implied, but notice what's implied here. Charity comes through grace. Charity comes through Jesus Christ to actually give us through his merciful love the purifying strength that we need to want to love the other person, serve them for their own sake. This charity, this agape is the love of Christ on the cross for you and for me. This is an incredible insight and it's not said explicitly, but it's it's there. It is totally there. And of course, the demons miss it because they deny that he can actually love those miserable vermins. I wanted to close just with a passage from Scripture. This is one of the most difficult passages in Scripture, I would argue, coming from Luke's Gospel. Jesus telling his disciples, you and me, to love our enemies. Oh, how hard is that? And remember, sometimes our enemies aren't like the people, like the terrorists on the other side of the world. Sometimes our enemies are in the same room as us, in the same car, um, related to us of the same blood, right? Sometimes those are our enemies, those people that we can't stand, those people that are driving us crazy, those people who uh, <laughs> we would love to be separated from. Yeah, these people, Jesus says, Love, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Notice those are really concrete actions, right? It's not just like think nice thoughts about them or don't let them get to you or stay positive. It's no, when you have someone who's hating you, do something good to them. When you have someone who's cursing you, yelling at you, rebuking you, Bless them. Say something nice to them. And when someone's abusing you, what do you do? Pray for them. Don't just like think about, pray. fall on your knees and offer up a, a rosary, a divine mercy chaplet, or whenever you go to mass, offer your, offer your mass for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? <laughs> think about this couple and all of their romantic feelings for one another, right? If you just love those who love you, What credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same, right? Do you see how this can be a blindness? It's just the selflessness or the the being really nice to someone else because they're nice to you. This could all be blinding, masking, a real selfishness as opposed to a real charity. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. That's Luke chapter 6 verses 27 to 36. Oh Jesus, by your mercy purify us from all of our selfishness. Give us clean hearts that we might love all those people that you've put into our, into our life. Purify our relationships. Allow us to really see the good of the other, to love them as you love them, to serve them as you desire us to serve them, that we might lay down our lives for even our enemies. As we, whenever we became an enemy to you, you did not hold that against us, but still lay down your life for us. And we pray for the protection of the great Archangel Michael. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Oh, friends, so good to be with you. Grateful for this journey. Stay strong. We're coming into the last couple of uh, chapters, letters here. So let's keep praying for one another. Let's persevere. Um, so that we can become the saints that God is calling us to be. God bless you. We'll see you next time.